everybody welcome to another edition of tunnel vision it's our live show going up on youtube facebook and periscope all at once i think it's all working this is our remote version social media social distancing not social media social distancing version of tunnel vision so i'm in the studio by myself we got keely your in her apartment and shotgun in his how are you guys doing hello hello doing well glad to do another live show we did one yesterday i feel like that was really fun a watch party and now we're back for our normal tunnel vision yeah yeah, yesterday was definitely unique, uh, getting to see the USC's national championship and watch it with Sean Cody and be able to pick his brain. That was really fun. Uh, just kind of hearing what he had to say about what was going on before the game, you know, their kind of their mindset going through it, you know, hearing some Pete Carroll stories and some Lindell White stories along the way. So if you guys didn't get to check that one out, highly recommend going and, and seeing that on YouTube after you watch this show. Yeah, uh, After you okay. see us live on this one, you can go pick that one up as well. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely uh, an interesting take on it and an interesting way to kind of rewatch that game. Like I said at the very beginning yesterday, I think it's the first time I saw it. I might have been watching it live. I don't really remember. You know, <laughs> mo more notable than the beatdown was Ashley Simpson that night. I remember on social media yeah. how bad she was. She uh, was which wow. got booed at halftime. She was terrible, yeah. Mm -hmm. Social media <laughs> back then was even roasting people? Well, it was yeah, more just course. everywhere, yeah. It's like MySpace was going crazy, I think. Oh, uh, got it, got yeah. it. Um, and that was the early days of Facebook. Uh, yeah, the first, early. I think, year or so when it, when it was first coming out. So make sure you check that out up on our YouTube page, up on uscfootball.com. It's two hours of watching one of the greatest USC games ever and Sean Cody making his commentary when he got the sack. That was fun. So all that's up there. Make sure you check it out. I've been doing some lunch with the Trojan things just during this quarantine, trying to do some new content. We had Alex Michelson on, who's a USC grad and also very involved and the political scene knows what's going on. He talks to the doctors. He talks to Dr. Drew and Dr. Oz and all the politicians, Gavin Newsom and all those guys. So uh, you get a pretty good idea of what he thinks is going to happen in the future as far as uh, sports here in Southern California and across the nation. So make sure you check all that stuff out. Tonight, we want to try to do the show in about an hour because that Michael Jordan <laughs> documentary is coming up at the top of the hour at 6 o'clock. We're doing this 5 o'clock live here in uh, Los Angeles, Pacific time. So if you want to get your calls in, do that, 5124-TUNNEL. We'll take that. I'm also going to be monitoring the uh, Facebook and YouTube channels for any comments you have. Try to put a question in there. Since I'm hosting and doing that, it'll be a lot, but I'll try to get that. And then I think Keeler Shotgun can look at the Periscope page if you guys have any comments in there. Uh, I won't be able to monitor that one because i got too much other stuff going on here. But we want to talk about USC's surgeon recruiting three new commits over the last few days. Now ranked number five. Wasn't ranked number 55 for uh, the class of 2020, now up to number five for 2021. So what's changed? We'll talk about that. Some of the guys, uh, the three new commitments, and also JT Daniels entering the uh, NCAA transfer portal. So we got some newsy stuff going on. Maybe we'll start with that. Uh, how about Keeley? What do you want to start start off with uh, talking about your thoughts with JT Daniels in the portal? 
Sure, I didn't know which way you're going. I believe also I'm monitoring all channels, so wherever you put it, I'll try and find it. I think Shotgun's doing the same as well. Um, but yeah, the JT Daniels news was surprising in the sense that I wasn't expecting it on a Wednesday in quarantine. Yeah. But I mean, it was something where the national guys were like, we knew this was coming. I think quarantine and in, in the world we're in right now forces hand more so than if we were just wrapping up spring camp. Um, I think it, it, it would have been a more fluid situation for JT to see where he stands, how his knee is doing, seeing what Keaton looks like in this offense in spring camp, if spring camp was still happening. Whereas now you're home, um, you don't have that much communication with your teammates and, and your coaches. Um, but like Ryan, you said, your source said, uh, this was something that JT was in constant communication with uh, Graham Harrell and Clay Helton. It wasn't something where he was angry and he wanted to do this um, per the source. Um, but uh, this was also because of the rumor of the NCAA uh, immediate elig eligibility uh, proposal that they have, the one-time immediate eligibility transfer. So it's kind of like Matt Fink in the sense where he's going to put his name in the portal so he can have that communication. He can get things rolling um, and then see where it takes him. But uh, we put some stuff in the war room. Make sure yes. you read it. But it seems like, if anything, uh, USC will still have JT Daniels rather than JT leaving immediately right now. Yeah. How about you, Shotgun? Any thoughts? You know, I was surprised by by the decision, you know, the timing of it, the fact that it was in the middle of the quarantine, just nothing really is going on to that would precipitate a change what was surprising to me. Now, after sitting and thinking about it a little bit and kind of where it goes with the potential of the one-time transfer rule, it makes total sense to me. If you just go ahead and get your name out there so you can start talking to some programs and say, hey, what, what kind of situation are you guys going to be in with your quarterbacks in, in the quarterback room? What are you looking for? Because nothing was really going to change this spring regardless. We were going to hope to see JT out doing some throwing drills by the end of spring, uh, but that was still up in the air. Nothing was going to change. He's going to be going into the fall behind Keaton Slovis, going to have to play catch up a little bit there. That was already a given. I think that's still a given. You know, if, the, if there is a fall camp and everything, that you know he'll be trying to play catch up with Keaton Slovis. However, if there is the one-time transfer rule, then it changes things dramatically for him because now you're looking at a situation, hey, is there somewhere where I can go and compete and I'm probably the front runner. And if that's the case, then yes, it makes total sense for him to go ahead and transfer now rather than finishing off his degree at USC and being a graduate transfer where then he doesn't have to set out the year. And that's the biggest difference is whether or not he has to set out uh, the 2019 season or not. Um, so I think it makes total sense for him to do that. I think it makes total sense to do it now as he's kind of looking to see what is going to happen with that ruling. So that makes sense to me. Uh, but it was a surprise to me. I hadn't really thought about it because when I've been thinking about this one-time transfer rule, I've been thinking about basketball a lot more because, you know, basketball transfers have been much more active recently than the football transfer portal. Um, but I, I think that definitely the football is going to add a different element as well because you don't see as many transfers just because of the fact that, you know, there's not as many grad transfers. It's harder to make that jump. Uh, than it is in basketball where you can be immediately input into a system and you know kind of find a role. Whereas football is a lot of times you're working your way up the depth chart uh, you know during your time at a school. So I, I think that you're going to see a change in the programming and kind of the way players go about trying to transfer. Um, so it makes total sense though if that ruling is allowed where players are allowed to transfer. And I think again you know you've seen a lot of quarterback transfers in the last ten years just because. It's the one place where you can't get on the field as a backup. 
You know, yep. until someone gets hurt, you're not getting on the field. You're not running two quarterback set, you know, sets out there when you're running two halfback sets or, you know, four <laughs> wide receivers. You know, just bring come out and say, you know what, let's put two quarterbacks on the field. We'll surprise them with who we're going to snap the ball to. That's yeah. not really the case. Um, so I think that it, it's going to be a continuation for quarterbacks who are just looking for their opportunity to, to be able to get on the field and play. And I think that's what JT is looking for. And like Healy said, Depending on how that ruling comes out, you know, if it's, you know, if there's an opportunity for him to go and start somewhere, I think he does end up leaving. If not, and depending on whether there is a football season, then he could yeah. still be right back at USC as well. So, you know, I think that anyone that was like, oh, we all saw this coming, I think that's a little bit of a stretch because everyone thought they thought saw it coming, you know, when Keaton Slowis blew up, but he went and told said before, he's like, no, I plan to come back. But then obviously there's a change there with the transfer potential of the transfer rule. I think that's the biggest change in the whole situation. Yeah, agree with you there. And uh, he snuck in some basketball stuff this early. You can't do this. We only have an hour show, Shaka. We can't <laughs> talk about those things. Um, yeah, so interesting, you know, to see what happens there. I want to shift over to uh, the recruiting side of things. Like, like I mentioned at the top of the show, USC went from, uh, you know, the number 55 class, class of 2020, Got a whole bunch of commitments recently. Uh, the the new staff are out there really working, you know, hitting the ground hard. And uh, they've now up to the number five recruiting class for 2021. Uh, I put a few of your Facebook comments up there. For some reason, some of the Facebook graphics aren't showing up, but you can see what the comments are. So sorry, your name and pictures and showed up. I'll see if I can fix that. But uh, yeah, we're doing all that stuff. But maybe we'll start off. I think the first one uh, was uh, Anthony Beavers. Um, I don't know. If you want maybe give a few words on that, Keeler, Shotgun, whoever, how would you like to do it? Yeah, Anthony Beavers is kind of a, a versatile defender, can play linebacker, can play safety. The big question is going to be where he's going to end up at the next level. Does he get bigger and you play him in the box? Is he going to be fluid enough to, to play the safety position? I think USC is recruiting him as a safety more and think they can use him there. Um, you know, he can even play some cornerback for it. He, he's a, a rangy guy that can, can make some moves. It's going to depend on how his body kind of builds out in the next year or so. Uh, he was a guy that was at Narbonne last year. Uh, he, he's a guy that was committed to Oregon, backed off that commitment. Dante Williams, you know, gets his guy a second time, basically. So, uh, you know, USC picks him up. He's a guy that was going to go through the recruiting process the entire time. You know, he's still going to be uh, attracting some attention, but USC was the team to beat even after he put out a top five that didn't have USC in it. Uh, you know, people were freaking out. What? How could he not be in? You know, I thought this was guaranteed. And, you know, people have my Twitter mentions going crazy back and forth about, you know, who's a good recruiter and who's not a good recruiter. Is Helton terrible? Is he not? You know, how much is 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 to his credit for this recent recruiting run and not? Uh, but Anthony Beaver is one of those guys that uh, sparked the conversation and then suddenly the conversation completely flipped when he commits to USC uh, on Instagram Live earlier this week. Yeah. Kelly, do you, do you, have you checked him out live yet? Uh Wait, checked out who live? Anthony is it still live? No, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Have you seen? No, have you watched it like in person? Have you, have you got the? Oh uh, no, sorry, I haven't watched him live in okay. person. No, um, but and shotgun. He released his top five on April Fool's Day, so that was like people were kind of like, because hmm, I think he had like Florida A and M or some something oh, yeah. random in there, and people were raising their eyebrows. So social media always not very rational in that yeah. sense. You go, you go DB, then you go offensive lineman uh, Maximus Gibbs. Uh, shotgun, maybe give a little info on him i don't know keely if you've seen bosco but the first thing you say when you see maximus gibbs is the name is fitting he's a big old boy you know he's <laughs> you know, six, 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 uh, six, six, 360 yeah. is what he's listed at he was up 
probably over 400 pounds at one point. He's wow. actually done a good job of slimming down, you know, kind of similar to Damian Mama, you know, where he, he was 400 pounds in high school and slimmed down to around 360 for USC and maybe even a little bit lower than that uh, later in his career to be more mobile. That's the big thing with Max Gibbs. Uh, Max also, you know, we have some backstory on him if you've watched the Coach Snoop show. And if you haven't watched the Coach Snoop show, uh, I actually recommend it because you're going to see Anthony Beavers on there. You're going to see some other guys like Jalen Smith, uh, who's a, a player that USC is recruiting, is featured pretty heavily in it. Max Gibbs is, is, is featured in multiple uh, of the uh, episodes of the of the show. And, you know, one of the things with him is, you know, he's a big kid who's getting made fun of and, you know, Snoop trying to kind of harden him a little bit to, to the teasing and stuff and the bullying that he was receiving and telling him he's got to stand up for himself and, you know, trying to get that, you know, to get him to be more aggressive in that big body. And I think that's something he's still working on at Bosco as well. He's doing a much better job of it, and that's why he's become a national recruit. However, he's still got a little ways to go, and I think he can get much better and continue to improve because of, you know, the talent's in there. He's just got to, you know, he's a coach to kind of bring it out of him a little bit. And like I said, he's working towards that. But I, like I, I also think that the, you know, the ceiling is, is pretty high on him because he's got some pretty good feet. He can move a little bit, and obviously a huge body, a guy. And, you know, Maximus playing in the Coliseum, I mean, Chris Torino's tweet was perfect on that. Are you not entertained? (laughs) Are you not entertained? See, now, Shotgun, Biggins said that he plays with aggressiveness. What specifically would you like to see more from him? I just think it it needs to be sustained. You know, one of the things is uh, there was a big problem for him early in his career was taking plays off and just not having that consistency. And I think as you get in better shape, uh, you know, that lends to itself, you know, that your if your stamina improves, then your consistency improves. So I think that's one of the things is, you know, him getting to the second level and attacking blocks, I think that's something where he can, will continue to improve. And I think that he's a guy that can, can, uh, can become a player later in his career at USC that is potentially a dominant player in, as an interior lineman. Um, I was trying to create this graphic. Hopefully, it didn't. I think it went live for a minute or so. But uh, here's the <laughs> national rankings right now. Um, so, fit number five. Last previous year, 55. Now USC's up to number nine, number five. Uh, first in the Pac-12. Uh, picked up a bunch of uh, commitments lately. Anthony Beavers was the highest of those uh, for the recent ones, but the last one uh, was uh, Kalen Bullock. That just happened. Uh, was it yesterday? The days are all kind yep, of yesterday. together. Yesterday. yesterday. Buller. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about him, Shotgun. Uh, Kalen Bullock from, from Pasadena, John Weir, he's a guy that I've watched. He is super energetic, lively. Um, he is all over the place. He's one of those He's one of those players that you see bouncing around all the time. You know, he, he's already played 150 snaps, it seems like, in a game. You're like, how does this guy have any energy left? He's just all the time, super energetic, super athletic kid as well. Uh, played safety and cornerback as well as receiver for Mir. You know, when I saw them last year, doing a little bit of everything for them. Um, with with uh, Jameer Calvin's father taking over there, Cal, uh, I'm blanking on his first name, uh, but but Coach Calvin taking over at Mir last year, putting him in positions, moving him around the field, as well as Jameer Johnson and some other players on that team. Yeah, John Humphreys there this year uh, that's going to UCLA. Caleb Bullock is a guy that is super skinny, He's got to grow into his body a little bit more. You know, I think he's 6'2", 6'3", and 175 pounds, I think, is what we have him listed at. So he's a guy that's going to, got to put on some weight and, and is going to be a is, – is remind you body-wise of a guy like Marvell Tell. You know, tall, lanky, 
really rangy. Um, he maybe even at, at this point in his career, from the little bit that I've seen of him, you know, maybe even has a little bit more range than Marvell Tell had at that time. And he's not afraid to come down in the box and hit you either. He, he's got that dog in him, and that's something that Coach Calvin talked about um, when he was talking with Greg Biggins. If you read that story yesterday, breaking down the commitment, you know, he he is a he's got some tenacity in him, and uh, you know, he's got that energy, but it also can turn into to some nasty fire as well on the field. So he's a kid I really like. Um, I think that he's a guy that's, you know, I was surprised that USC wasn't recruiting him harder early. And then when Dante came aboard, you know, he was, when I talked to him last year, he liked USC, uh, but he also, you know, wasn't hearing a ton from USC. You know, Oregon was recruiting him hardest when I saw him during the season last year, and that was the Dante Williams connection. So it seemed only natural and kind of fitting when Dante came to USC uh, that, you know, they would try to pick up that relationship there, and that's what happened. He's going to be staying at USC Mir's got another guy in Jameer Johnson who's a, a three or four star uh, DB as well. So, you know, they, we'll see if they go try to go to that well again and try to pick him up as well. But Bullock's a guy with a lot, uh, a high ceiling, but, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's a prospect. He's got some, some work to do. I like all the intangibles and stuff there, but he's got to put it together a little bit more consistently as well and just be able to make the, make the right play at all, all times instead of being a guy that goes for the big hit or goes for the big play uh, a little too often. It's interesting that you made that comp to Marvell Tell because Craig Nivar actually said uh, his ideal play player would be Marvell Tell. And I was going to ask you, given his versatility, how much, how nice is it uh, for a guy like Todd Orlando to have a guy like him who's played multiple positions in this uh, positionless defense? Yeah, I think that's a, a great point. And I think it's something you're looking for in that safety, especially if you remember when, when Clancy Pendergast's defense, uh, the Rose Bowl season, when you had Marvell, you had Chris Hawkins, you had Leon McQuay. And those guys were playing the nickelback spot as well. There was no straight nickelback. They were just rotating the safeties back and forth in the defense. That's what you want as a, de uh, as a defensive coach, to be able to move those safeties around. Now you got guys that are you know thick enough to come up and hit in the box and, and stop the run but can cover as well. You get those slot receivers out there, and you got a guy like Kalen Bullock who's you know played cornerback. Uh, he, can, he can guard that slot receiver. You know, Marvell Tell was similar where you, know, you can put him in space and you can defend against some of those tough guys, whether it's a matchup against a tight end or a slot receiver. If you cannot have to change change your defense and bring in extra players and, and you know have to match up specifically what the offense do, does, it makes things so much easier for a defense coordinator because now you can call more of your same plays without having specific packages and stuff in. It, it just versatility in any sport, any aspect is always coveted just because it makes things so much easier for a coach without having to, you know, having to do design specific things for specific players. You know, if you've got a versatile guys, they make it a lot easier for you. All right. Uh, maybe. So I'll put the rankings up again real quick. You can see this is vastly different uh, than what we've seen uh, the past year. They're getting a lot of those highly ranked players uh, that USC would normally get this, you know, people talk about on the peristyle. It feels a little bit more like the way USC should recruit and used to recruit. Um, Keely, I don't know if you want to get your thoughts on. Uh, I mean, it's this is night and day. You know, this class, 2021 compared to 2020. Yeah, without a doubt. I think Shaka made the joke yesterday on Twitter that you take the 55 of last year and just cut off the last five, and whoop, there you go, the number five class. But this is what happens when you have um, a, a unified effort 
on the coaching staff to recruit, not just have one guy doing all the work. It really seems, and you can see this in the way that they do social media, it seems like a real group effort, everyone hyping each other up, um, making sure that everyone knows that there's a new USC commit. Uh, even Clay Helton is getting on the social media action by tweeting out the ominous, not ominous, maybe vague fight on with the, with the same gif over and over. But uh, I think Chris Torino said it best, like this is the new era of recruiting. It's not so much written letters or things like that. It's having a, a branded social media campaign that young kids are gonna look to and, and see that there's momentum happening, you know? So I think now with this momentum that USC has on the recruiting trail, it's become a more attractive place for recruits to go. Um, now, nothing has been played on the field. I understand that. And that, that ultimately has to, to happen for recruits to want to stay as a commit and stay at USC. But um, like, like you said, Ryan, it's just completely different. It's night and day. And this is what happens when you have a guy like Dante Williams, who when we interviewed him in that intro pre uh, coach's presser, he said, you got to if you're up 24 hours a day, you're recruiting 24 hours a day. So just the, the level of importance that I think the staff has made recruiting uh, shows in its rankings now at this point in the season. Yeah. What do you think, Shotgun? I mean, you look at the rankings, and one of the things also is the size of the class is going to be is going to impact that. Let's let's go ahead and throw it out there. There's a reason why they were 55. It's part of the reason was the lower was the the smaller class. Let's go ahead and give USC's excuse. Put it out there. But also, it's going to be a big boy class. All those things though were the planning before in the class before that. And you know how they missed out on some recruits previously. They are attacking positions of need. Obviously, the quarterback position is one of big need. They need two quarterbacks in this class. Uh, so having Jake Garcia already committed is huge for them. Running backs a big spot where they need, and they're going to need DBs because, especially at the safety spot, because Mar uh, because Talanoa Hufunga and Isaiah Polamau, older guys that may be gone after next year as well. So I, I think that they are attacking the positions of need. And attacking it early and often. You know, if you're in quarantine and, you know, you can't coach up guys, you know, the normal amounts that you would be able to if you're in school, you don't have guys dropping by for film study, anything like that. If you got an opportunity and you're, you're stuck in the home, what else should you be doing? Recruiting. And they're doing a good job of that. You know, they're locking up the local talent. And that's kind of, you know, that's been a lot of the memes and stuff that they're they're showcasing on Instagram or on uh on social media, on Twitter and stuff is, is about, you know, keeping people home. And uh, Gavin, Gavin Morris and obviously the governor of California being Gavin Newsom, he says, Gavin says everyone needs to stay home, stay at home. So Gavin Morris is really pushing <laughs> that. Uh, then all the recruits, all the big-time recruits need to stay home. Now, I will say it is unfortunate for USC's recruiting efforts that they missed on last year's class. Yeah. It's good. It's great that they're really getting the guys uh, and getting them to stay home, some of the top recruits here. But last year's class was a dandy of a class for I local recruiting. Them. You know, they, they're still missing out on a couple of the big names here. Corey Foreman, we've had some questions about him. You mm -hmm. know, Rayshon Davis, two of the bigger name guys, two five-star players, are currently committed outside of, uh, you know, Southern California. But last year's class and guys that they had a great opportunity for, they missed big time there. So they're playing makeup. And, and the fact that they're ranked fifth, that's that's great. There's a big jump actually from fifth to fourth. You know, just the you know, the teams that are above them, the point values are, are you know way up there. But it, it's great that they are, are are back where they should be recruiting wise and attacking and getting four and five star players. I don't 
the the crap about well, it's a big man class. So we couldn't get any you know four star guys. Is, no. is crap. You missed out on yeah. your big name guys. Yep. Um, yeah. So and you missed out on the two years prior to that as well. So that's one one of the reasons why you end up taking three star out of state offensive tackles that you think have some you know have some prospects, but they're not the Panay Sewells. They're not the Jackson yeah. Carmens. They're not the Sean Ryan's that you were trying to get previously. So I think that they're doing what they need to be doing. It doesn't make up for being 55th last year and the fact yeah. that, you know, that, that they ranked so poorly and they didn't plan that class out very well. But they've turned the corner and they're making the most of what they can this year. It's just unfortunate that the class that they missed out on was one that was really, really good locally. Yeah. Yep. No quarterback, too, was big. Um, yep. no, no quarterback with, with three five-star quarterbacks in the yep. area and yep. also the best linebacker anyone's seen locally. And I, I'm just upset that I don't get to see Justin Flo practice. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah. He's going to destroy some people at Oregon practices. I would love to watch webcam of the linebacker <laughs> you know, drills at, at Oregon. Just, yeah. just to watch Justin Flo. He's special. Like they do at zoos, like the, oh, the, yeah, penguin, yeah. the penguin cam. You just have like a Justin Flo cam to see all the hits. <laughs> nice. To be fair, we can't watch anybody practice right now, so it's uh, sorry. True. Sorry for the reminder. We had a Facebook question, and I'm sorry that the names aren't popping up on the graphics for some reason. But we have your questions, so sorry we can't show your picture and your name. I like seeing people's pictures. Uh, but do you think that this pandemic gave USC coaches more time and opportunity to recruit? Yeah, definitely. I think that you're not doing as much, so you might as well make the most of your time and. You know, if you normally would have had 10 calls in a day or, or whatever, then you can up that to 15 because you're just not – your time constraint – I mean, your time uh, – your what you're spending your time on is just not the same right now. Yeah. So you have a little bit more free time because you're not at the field. You're not going to campus. You're not driving to campus. You know, if you live in the South Bay, that 40-minute drive both ways, you're not doing that. So there's just extra time, I think. So the – the best program should be taking advantage of it. I think that's why you're seeing so many early commits kind of in this time frame and, and a lot of top lists and things from recruits because there's not, for a lot of recruits, you're, you're not getting the opportunity to go visit schools. This is what you would be doing right now is taking unofficial visits and, and some official visits, check out the campuses. That's where you learn a lot of stuff. So now it's, it's all about those relationships and, and uh communication that you're being able to have with the coaches. So I think USC is taking advantage of what they can. Yeah. I would say they have more time, but I wouldn't necessarily say that it's easier because you, like Chuck and said, you're not having visits. You're not showing guys spring camp and this is how we do things. Look at our Heisman trophies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so they'll have to get creative in this time period. But like Chuck and said, you definitely have more time on your hands for sure. Yeah. And I would say, I would caution uh, if the question is, oh, is that why recruiting's better is because of the coronavirus? No, that's not why it's better. It's fully on its effort. They're putting in effort right now. During spring football, previous years, I mean, recruiting would be on the back burner for many of those coaches. If USC still had spring football going on, Dante Williams would still be making all those phone calls. I don't think, yeah. honestly, that the recruiting would have changed that much. You're out there. Um, you know, they're, they're hitting the road and they're doing it. And that's just, it's, to me, that's more about effort and it's not because they have more time with the coronavirus, what, you know, Keely brought up the Dante Williams quote, like if you're up for 23 hours, you should be recruiting for all of them. Yeah. He's always be doing that. So it, it probably gives them more of an opportunity to, but the effort was going to be there if they had spring football, quarantine, whatever. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's I, would, I mean, I would agree. I don't think the quarantine is why they're recruiting well right now. 
I don't think if you took last year's staff and put them in the same situation that they would be recruiting as well as the staff is currently. Yeah. yeah. We have a, uh, there was, like you mentioned, there was some uh, Corey Foreman kind of question. So if you don't know Corey Foreman, number one, is he the number one player in the country? He's like, or he's up there. For he is the, I believe he's the number one player in the composite rankings and number two in our 24-7 sports rankings, or it's flipped. I don't remember which one it is, but he's one in one of the rankings and uh, two in the other. Yeah. He's one in the composite, two in 247 sports. Okay. Yeah. But and the, the person that's first is JT Tuamolao. I can't. I haven't got that one down yet. But the kid from Washington, who's another defensive lineman that USC is an explore as well. Yeah, but anyway, he's a stud uh, defensive end. Same high school as Drake Jackson, Corona Centennial, and uh, committed to Clemson early. But one of the one of the advantages USC could have, though, because of the coronavirus, is that maybe players want to stay home more because you can't visit and do all those kind of things. That's you know certainly something that's being floated out there. Uh, you guys had mentioned that Gavin Morris. I was trying to get people to stay close to home. Uh, so the question on Facebook was, can they flip Corey Foreman? That'd be pretty nice. Yeah, yes, pretty nice. That would be pretty nice for USC. But <laughs> pretty nice. Any thoughts on that at this point? Usually when Clemson locks a guy in, they don't want him to take visits. They just, they're yeah. just locked in. But this is now a way different time. Yeah, and there's there's some information in the war room about mm -hmm. uh, you know how Clemson recruits and how that could affect Corey Foreman's uh, future. So if you're a, a member of the P, Hopefully you've already read that. If not, then uh, subscribe and join the P so you can get that inside information. Just We'll just say that USC is still in the mix with Corey Foreman. They're still yeah. trying on him. The question is what Corey Foreman wants to do if, you know, if he decides that he wants to stay and it's the family, you know, the family's, you know, big USC fans and stuff. So it, I think that there's a lot of kind of unknowns with recruiting a little bit right now and, you know, he's already visited Clemson. So it's not that he's not getting to take a visit here or there. He's visited USC several times. So it's going to come down to does the family feel comfortable sending him across the country type of thing once the coronavirus, uh, you know, concerns and issues are, are lifted? Is is that going to be, you know, something that changes things? And that's something we really don't know. And, yeah. you know, the, the families, families may could even tell you how they're feeling now, but in six months that may be different. And the, so I think it's really a wait and see if that's going to have an effect. But USC, again, is still trying to recruit Corey Foreman. You know, they would love to get him locked up beside Drake Jackson once again. And Corey <laughs> Foreman has said, you know, they would love to play with Drake again. They're like brothers. You know, he sees him as a big brother. Uh, so just throw those two guys together, add uh, JT from Washington down in the middle of them. I mean, that's a pretty good defensive line. That's kind of the, you know, how we were talking with Sean Cody yesterday during the rewatch about – how it makes things so much easier for an inside guy when the outside guys are good and this guy beside you is good. Um, <laughs> you get put the, those type of talents together, then you get back to some of those really, really talented USC defenses. Yeah. Now, Ryan, you said that USC not getting Corey Foreman was a fireball offense. What happens if Corey somehow flips? I mean, where's what's the Ryan logic then? Yeah. When, uh, when does the firing happen? Do you rehire if he comes if he uh, flips? Well, the fire didn't happen, so it was fire. Well, yes, if I you get him back, it. then you know. I think it's it comes down to if you don't sign a guy like that, yeah, that's uh, you should be fired. So you know, if they could flip him, uh, we just have a Facebook comment too. Um, they're saying you know uh, you can't discount the effect of these kids considering staying home more because of it. Certainly a lesser factor, but also. 
likely a point with the families. And no, I agree with that. We mentioned that. I think the coronavirus will affect families' decisions to go somewhere, to stay home or whatever. I think that's going to be a real thing. But I'm saying the extra time did not make this class go from 55 to 5. It was the recruiters are just trying a lot harder. And that's the that's the main kind of factor. Um, do we have and, any? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Talk on. To, to go to look at the recruiting and will the coronavirus, you know, uh, will the COVID-19, will that affect recruits? I think it's, you know, if you're a top recruit in the country, a lot of these guys think they're immune to everything, you know, not necessarily disease or anything. They they just think that they're the best player ever. You know, they have that, you know, built-in ego uh, and a little bit of arrogance that's, you know, that they've earned and they've worked for. Um, so I think it's going to be down to, you know, because cer certain players, they have all the control in the decision of their commitment. You know, it's all about them. The parents aren't in it at all. Other players, and, you know, this is going back to Bruce Feldman's meat market and Ed Orgeron saying you got to find – you know who is the guy? Who is the person uh, that's the champion in the the uh, in the recruitment? You know who's the person that's going to determine and help sway that player? You know if the families are really a, a really big part of it, I think those recruits that, that the families have a, a bigger say are going to be ones that are more likely to stay closer to home than ones that are leaving home. So uh, I think that that's going to have an impact. So it, the recruitment's it's not it's hard to just put a you know big big uh, blasted and being general when it's going to be more so certain recruits where the, the parents or grandmother or grandfather or whoever has a bigger say in it rather than some recruits who are kind of on their own. All right. Um, if you reminder, if you want to call into the show, you can do that five, one, two, four tunnel. If you want to tweet at the show, hashtag tunnel vision, we'll put your uh, tweet up there. Um, and then any, uh, and we have any questions in the YouTube or Periscope uh, world, Keely? Yeah, it's popping over here. Well, when we were talking about Clemson, uh, someone, I forgot whose name was, I think his, it started with a B, my uh, Periscope refreshed, but he was saying, I live in South Carolina and I know how Clemson operates. It's kind of like a hostage situation. So <laughs> that was his uh, contribu contri contributing factor to the, the conversation. But Jasper Smith asked a question on YouTube, of course. Uh, he says, how many rides does USC have in the 2020 class and uh, given the recruiting momentum that they have? I haven't looked at this recently to, to look at it, but USC is going to have more, more than they had last year for sure. Uh, you got a bigger senior class leaving. You also have a number of guys that, you know, depending on what the season they have, could leave early. And again, this is all if there's a season in the fall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a, a really good question. And, you know, I, I thought of this yesterday when a friend talked about it. But if there is a spring season, which a lot of people have talked about, what about the freshmen that are incoming that graduate early? Ooh. They're going to they're gonna be immediately eligible. You can't say, well, sorry, you came in early. Now, some schools may say, we don't have room for you. You're going to wait till the, you're gonna have to wait till the fall to be able to enroll because we want our seniors to still play and stuff. You're also, there's going to be a lot of, that could add a lot of different elements too. You know, if you're a, you know, if you were Joe Burrow or you, are, you know, you're a, a Tua coming into this past season, are you going to play a spring season? The potential of getting hurt, you already know you're going to be one of the top, you know, top quarterbacks taken. I don't, I don't see that happening. So you're going to lose some players as well that just aren't going to play because it, it doesn't make sense for them financially to to be putting their body at risk during the spring when the draft's going to be held, maybe at the same time, or maybe you get some guys that play half a season and then you know the draft comes. All right, I'm locked up. I'm done here. 
there's a, there's going to be a whole new can of worms if that is something that ends up happening. So uh, I, I think that the that's been talked about a lot this week. I feel like in the last week or so, or even the last two weeks since we you know last had our our last show. But you know, people are talking about the the colleges have to play the football season at some point this year in the yeah. school year just because the financially they need it. So if it's in the spring, that could add a whole different uh, type of complexion to the entire season and to recruiting in general. Yeah. yeah I I mean, think, oh, good, Keely. No, it was a, I was just saying I'm laughing at Ryan waving to the camera randomly. Uh, but it was. I put the uh, I put this one up. Hi everybody! I put that screen up there. Um, you know, we got to got these different camera angles. Got to use them. You know, yeah, of course, uh, of course. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting with that because there will be more rides available. USC signed a smaller class, um, you know, and they'll have more rides available. But it might, like Shotgun said, you have to be flexible because it might be something different. The NCAA might give you waivers to bring in more people. I mean, who knows? Like, so I think you have to be flexible. USC needed to get a bigger class, so they're going after a lot of guys, and you have to do that. So I think that's smart. Um, I was going to jump in with a question that kind of builds on what you're talking about. But if you want to make a pot, point, Shotgun, you can go for it. One quick thing is yeah. if you have the, you know, the new transfer and if it's, you know, immediately eligible, one-time transfer rule, that's going to change your number of scholarships as well. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's hard to say exactly how many USC has and how many they'll need. I think you can still see some players enter the transfer portal for USC you know, as the season or as the off season progresses, depending on some other things that happen and what what kind of the outlook is for, for things going forward. Yeah. So another complication, if there is a spring football season, is recruiting. And Mark Watkins said, if the season gets shifted to a later date, could we see signing day before the season or that be shifted back to? Could USC actually be better off with signing day before the season? I kind of like the signing day where it is in February. USC's done better, but with this momentum, they're actually kind of building up. They're actually will this probably would be a better early signing period for USC. So um, I'm curious. I don't know how that would work, but anything that would kind of keep guys more closer to home, that's going to give USC advantage because they got so many guys in their backyard. So I, I haven't thought about that one. That's kind of interesting. I don't think that the signing days are going to get changed. I think there's still going to be one in December. I think there's still going to be the one in February. I don't think the you know the coronavirus and issues with that are going to change that at all. Whether when the season is, I don't think that changes it at all. The NCAA is going to say, "Hey, if you want to sign in December, go for it. If you don't, I think there's going to be more kids that want to wait a little bit and take those visits. If there's a fall season, take those visits during the season because they may not have been able to take you know these unofficial visits during this time in the off season." So I think that you may see more kids wait until February, but I still think the NCAA keeps it the same. They've got enough other issues they're going to have to deal with with all the different things happening, uh, whether it's the, you know, uh, what, who's eligible, all the eligibility issues, the transfer rules, all these other things. I think there, there's too many things they're going to be worrying about rather than trying to shift uh, signing days. Now, I think USC, because they're off to a really good start, it's probably better for them. And it's a lot of local kids. Uh, the local kids usually are going to hold on a little bit more. If you had a bunch of out-of-state kids, I think it really helps you if you can get them signed as soon as you can yeah. uh, rather than having to wait till a February date or anything like that. But, uh, again, I don't think that the NCAA is going to change the dates. Yeah. We had a quick one. Uh, has USC been able to uh, begin taking advantage of their program for low-income families to be able to go to school for free for athletics? And to my knowledge, that really hasn't – I mean, we haven't seen that opportunity yet. I know the college admissions, everything has changed. They're, like, waiving SAT scores and stuff like that. But – I. 
I don't know. I don't think that's really been a thing yet just because everything's such in turmoil. I don't know if you guys have heard anything. I believe that wasn't going into effect for at least until the next school, I think two school years away. Um, oh, that right. program that USU is doing, I think, I don't, I don't, I can't remember exactly. Um, but I think that thing, initiatives like that might be tabled for the immediate future because just depending on the financial situations that colleges find themselves in and athletic departments as well, uh, if there's not a football season, athletic department's going to be hit hard. You're going to see sports start dropping and stuff. You already seen a little bit Cincinnati soccer was, I think, the second one to go ahead and announce that. Um, but schools are going to be hit hard as well because they're having to refund a bunch of, you know, room and board charges. You know, if 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 uh, you know if you're a school that has a lot of um, student housing on campus, you're losing all the money because no one's staying there right now as well. So I, I think schools are going to be hit financially from this as well. So it's going to be something where initiatives like that, which were great, and you want to see things like that happening for USC and for other schools, but USC might say, I don't think we can do that right now. We're going to have to wait until, you know, things start looking a, a little bit brighter before we can officially get make that happen. Yeah. We have a, uh, sorry, Keely, if you had a question, we have a caller. So I want to br- oh. go to that and then we'll go to Keely. Any questions you got from Facebook or Periscope? Yep. Our buddy, Curtis from Marino Valley's called in. Hey, Curtis, how you doing, man? Hey, Peristyle, it's, it's been tough getting through the coronavirus times, but our recruiters are really good to get kids to come, and you can't even get them on campus. This is great. But my idea, I had an idea a month ago, but I didn't want to start trouble, but JT Daniels has forced my hand. I think he's so good that we would have the same kind of numbers if Keaton Slovis was not our quarterback, I say Clay Helton goes love of my life with JT Daniels and lets him play the second half of every game next season when he's healthy. Out. Thanks, Curtis. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously Keaton Slovis had the opportunity last year when JT Daniels got hurt. I, I mean, I, it's hard not to imagine that JT Daniels wouldn't have played a lot this year. I think they were going to be better on defense. They'd score a lot of points. Even if it was only mop-up duty, he would get a lot of fourth quarters and stuff, I would think. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that and uh, Curtis's thoughts? So I, I couldn't hear the question. So. I couldn't either. I tried to hear half oh. of it, but then you started talking, Ryan. So I'm sorry. He, he said he had an idea, and usually when Curtis sounds a little sneaky with his ideas, it's it's trouble. I, oh, man. So I forgot. we I did a different thing for the callers last time. So uh, basically talking about that JT Daniels, he, wanted, he thought he would be able to play uh, – you know, he should have uh, Clay Helton should have JT Daniels play the second half of all the games. Uh, I don't know if you want to do something like that, but I <laughs> second think half? I think that's why I said sorry. It was, you know, <laughs> but I think it was. I mean, I feel like that's. I think he would have played a bunch anyway, not necessarily, but should Clay Helton have like carved out something like, hey, Caden's the starter, but JT, you're going to be able to play more than uh, you know more than this uh, backup would. We saw that with Sam Darnold and, and Max Brown. I feel like that wasn't a good combo either. That's – I don't know. I just don't think that works well. The, the Sam Darnold, you see that oftentimes with programs when you have a really talented young guy you want to get him some reps uh, so you have a specific package for them. I don't think that you're going to – you would do that for JT. I think they're they're really similar quarterbacks. I mean, you 
that's you're you're basically going down a two quarterback system then yeah. and having the open competition and saying, hey, we're gonna give JT, you know, uh, two drives every half or something like that. And that's when you start you get controversy. You can split the locker room. It usually does not work. There's very very few times that it's worked out well. The one only one that comes to mind that I can think of is Tim Tebow and Chris Leak their first year winning the national championship. And that's a very different style of quarterback with Tim Tebow. Um, it, it just usually does not work out well there. But like Ryan said, I think there would have been more opportunities. And, again, there's still the concern about Keaton Slovis's injury history, having been knocked out of multiple games, and the offensive line having uh, some major concerns coming in this year and if they can protect Keaton Slovis. I think that there would have been opportunities for JT to get in there, and I think that's why he would like to be at USC because you never know. Keaton Slovis goes down for a game or two with a rolled ankle. JT gets in there and gets, is able to make his mark, and he doesn't have to transfer. He can get that degree and then can be a graduate transfer if he, if he wants, if there's not the you know immediate transfer regardless. Yeah. Which I think leads to the point that we've all been saying for years now where USC needs to make a better concerted effort to get their backup more playing time, um, but not – and I, don't, I didn't hear what Curtis's plan was, but I don't think in the sense of Curtis's plan. Yeah. Um, and how do, how do you get your backups in? You blow away people the game. Out. Yeah, there you exactly. go. Exactly. <laughs> because Sean Cody brought this up yesterday. He's like, oh, I'd love to see USC dominate like this. I was, I, I want to say, and I was thinking in my head, when is the last time that USC really dominated a really good opponent or even a good opponent? I am really good. It's like dominated a team. You're like, oh, I'm surprised by that. You know, they've shown flashes. You see like the first quarter against Arizona State last year or, you know, uh, three years ago at Arizona State, the first half, you're like, oh, wow. Really came out. I'm impressed by what they did here. Not the Oregon States. I'm talking like a, a team that you thought was going to be a competitive game. It's been a while. So, yeah. you know, that really hasn't happened under Clay Helton. And, you know, if you can't blow out teams, you can't really put them away. That makes it that much more difficult to develop those young guys and get them real, real in game snaps. Yeah. Uh, do we have any questions on uh, the YouTubes or the Periscope? Yeah, let's go into rapid fire since it's yeah we got go, yeah we have like fourteen minutes left before yeah, MJ. It's yeah. the fake top of the hour, so we're going into rapid fire. We have a couple of calls um, too, so I don't know if we want to do that. Wow, but do a couple, do some of these, and then I'll see if we can do some calls too. Sure. Um, Tito says, if these recruits stick, do you think USC will sign most of their class if there is an early signing period? Yes, I think that's just because uh, you have local guys. They've already been to USC. They've been able to see the campus. Maybe some of the out-of-state guys might want to still go around and see some of the other schools, but and that'll depend on when the season is, when teams you know allow uh, players to take some of their official visits. But yes, Bar barrel not on Periscope says who's the lead dog on the recruiting front? Uh, it doesn't seem like it's Helton. Helton's usually the closer, and that's kind of yeah. been his status in the past. He recruits a lot with the quarterbacks, so he's got a really good relationship with Miller Moss and Jake Garcia both. He's a former quarterback himself. Uh, but I think that you're seeing more position by position, but also it's a it's a whole team effort. You know, you're seeing that uh, you know, even some of the guys that don't have specific, you know, it's not specific uh position coach. You'll hear certain players talk about Kerry Colbert, you know, defensive players talking about how they're talking to Kerry Colbert and have a relationship with him. Uh, so I think there's a, it's a much more concerted team effort where everyone's kind of pitching in. Jasper Smith says, say the 2020 season gets canceled, will all the players who haven't used their redshirt year be redshirted in 2020 by default? We don't know. I don't I mean, think so. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems unlikely, but there, there there's going to be some big change. I mean, there, you're, you're probably going to have to get – I know Shotgun's familiar with baseball now. 
Uh, baseball, you're going to be able to allow, you're going to have higher limits of what you could have instead of, I don't know how many scholarships is it? Like you're going to be able to have more players on your roster if you had a bunch of seniors that are going to get that eligibility back. Yeah, so the spring sports, they're allowing, if you have seniors, then you can you can push up your roster by however many seniors you had, basically for baseball. Um, you can bring back the seniors on the same scholarship that they were at previously or lower, and that's uh, a big can of worms for some coaches is dealing with that. Um, but the thing is, there's going to be a point, depending on how long, uh, if the fall is wiped out, say the fall is wiped out, there's going to be a point where the NCAA just has to say, sorry, guys, we, we can't give you extra years. There's just going to be too big of a crunch. If you somehow get more than a full year cycle where things can't be played, then you're just going to say, sorry, you guys just got to move on with your next year. So I don't think it would be, you know, everyone would be automatically redshirted. There's the potential of everybody getting an extra year of eligibility like they did the spring uh, athletes, but that's not everyone's automatic redshirt. That's just an extra year. All right. Let's try to get a call in real quick, Keely. We got uh, Alrighty. John in Atlanta. John, thanks for being on. They're not going to be able to hear you, but I will uh, kind of relay what they're saying. What's up, John? Yeah, I'm a huge Trojan fan. Um, I was going to ask about um, – Corey Foreman and maybe Caleb Williams, the number one overall quarterback in the country. Uh, what does the USC coaches and recruits need to do to be able to get Foreman and Caleb Williams to commit and maybe Tommy Brockermeyer, the number one tackle or number two tackle in the country? All right. To revitalize the USC program. Cool. Thanks for that one. Uh, so, guys, he wants to know what's going to take for USC to get Corey Foreman, Caleb Williams uh, to commit. What do you think? Uh, Caleb Williams is a, is a very long shot. Uh, usually, we've said this before when we're discussing Miller Moss, you don't usually see two top 100 quarterbacks in the same class. Usually, you may have a top end guy and a guy a little bit lower. Uh, you can bring in multiple. You can bring in multiple quarterbacks that way. You know, Ohio State did it last year with C.J. Stroud, and then they had a kid from Arizona who was a, a three star guy. Texas last year had two top 100 guys, but I was talking with, with or Greg Biggins responded to it as well that. You know, that was partially, you know, he sees one of those guys as being a better linebacker recruit as well. So it, it usually isn't the case where you get two top-end guys. So I don't think Caleb Williams is going to come all the way across the country with Jake Garcia already in the mix. So yeah. Caleb Williams is probably – USC is probably on the outside on that one. Um, I would have to check my uh, recruiting uh, spreadsheet to see. I think he actually put out a top list that didn't have USC in it recently, but I don't don't know for sure on that one. JT Tuimoloa, I think is what it is, Tuimoloa. Um, from Washington, USC's in the mix there. However, they're not leading at this point. Washington's up there. Ohio State's definitely in the mix as well, a couple other schools. But USC is a school that he has a lot of connections with as well. They're in his, his top list, I believe, as well. Yeah. He also wanted to know about Tommy Brockenmeyer, the offensive tackle from Fort Worth, Texas. I think he was just looking at the top players in the country. <laughs> I don't think he's uh, on USC's radar at all. From what He's like a Texas-Alabama kind of guy, but unless I'm wrong, shotgun. USC has not offered him, so uh, I'll, I'll say that. And USC has – because I just updated our spreadsheet on offers last night. And there's like 176 offers out. So wow. uh, it's it's a lot of the top players in the country uh, that they've offered either previously or in a, this recent spate. But uh, that Tommy is uh, not one of those guys. All right. Rapid fire, people. Rapid yeah, fire. Rapid fire, sorry. That was multiple questions. Come on. <laughs> Mark Watkins says uh, he wants to know if um, the old staff was not wired in a certain way to recruit and this new staff is, or was it an effort issue with last year's staff? 
think both. Yeah, I would agree with that. Both. Yeah, I mean, you have to be. I think it's you have to be wired because it's you're something. You have to be doing it all day, every day, like you know, Dante Williams said. And if you're just like, well, I recruit during these times of the year. Some of that's your your recruiting mentality, but also you can look at it as effort. You're not really trying when you should be. So I, I think it's kind of both. It's really just to recruit. When Pete Carroll was around, he wanted guys on the staff that were going to recruit all the time. There's a lot more of those guys on this staff now. John Goins wants to know, uh, how would you evaluate Mike Jinks as a running backs coach? Uh, he said it seems like the running backs dance around instead of run between the tackles, and there are too many injuries. <laughs> You're going to blame Mike Jinks for the fact that the Coliseum turf is trash? Uh, that's that's hard to do. I mean, you, both Stephen Carr and uh, Marquis Stepp went down the same game because of trash uh, field conditions. So you want to blame that on the, on the running backs coach? Go for it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I just uh, I put up a Facebook comment. Keenan and Marquis, lightning and thunder 2.0. Uh, we'll, we'll see. It could be. Um, P says – P. Luke on YouTube says, if you were a top five recruit, wouldn't you call Clemson's bluff on the whole don't go to other uh, schools to visit rule? I mean, if you want to go to Clemson, I don't want to call it, you know, Dabo Sweeney is a pretty powerful coach, you know, multiple championships. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that – it's one of those things that you're probably not going to commit unless you're bought into what they're they're saying. This is just a very different situation now. USC was down. The coronavirus thing was going on. Now USC is more appealing. They're recruiting him a lot harder, and he might want to stay home. So this, I think, this is more of a unique situation. But I don't think you're committing from across the country unless you bought what Clemson was selling. Yeah, and and, and also, you know that that's the power of being the preeminent program right yeah. now. You you can force rules like that on players. Yeah. Like, yeah. Carroll could have done that at USC if that was his intention. Yeah, he didn't, but that's he could have if he wanted to. Mark Watkins uh, <laughs> called me out because I didn't ask his first question, which was, uh, is this new approach demanded by Clay or by Mike Bone in recruiting? No, I think it's more about the hires. Like, it's the individual dudes. I mean, I think Mike Bone wanted you to recruit harder, but the, the coaches that were hired are recruiters. You're not, you don't hire someone that's really good at something, and you don't have to tell them, to, like, that's what they're going to do. So I think they just hired people. Craig Nivar. He's out there. He's a gregarious guy. He loves recruiting. You know, Dante Williams, the recruiter of the year. Like, you hire guys like that, that's just, you're not like, okay, now you have to recruit. Like, no, that's what they do. So I don't think there's like some mandate. Like, they're making people recruit. They've hired people that are good at recruiting. I think you may have had a directive from above that, hey, we need to go after guys that actually recruit. We can't have guys, you know, especially when you see a, a ranking of 55th in the country, you say, hey, we got to do better than this. You need to go after guys that can actually be out there and grinding all the time. Yeah. Daniel Steiner says, do you think Rayshon Davis's commitment is shaky? I say read the war room. How about that? <laughs> um, and if anyone doesn't know, the war room is something we put out every Friday morning. It's our insider information. If you're a member of the Peristyle, which is uh, the message boards on uscfootball.com, you get that inside scoop. So uh, just a little plug right there. Here's a uh, quick Facebook one. Uh, who is one guy we really need next year? I think he's talking about recruiting. Corey Foreman, uh, I would put, you know. But. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a, a luxury. Um, the, the biggest is quarterback. you got to have quarterbacks, especially yeah. if JT Daniels is up transferring out. You, you can't – and because Matt Fink's going to be done with his other – but you can't go with one quarterback on the roster. Um, Jesper Smith says, if, if Miller Moss commits, does Jake Garcia still sign, as well as considering the propensity of quarterbacks not wanting to sit behind another? 
Now, if you read both of their public comments, then yes, he, you know, they're, they're willing to compete. They're willing to go. Does that hold up? Um, I, I know Miller Moss because he's kind of the lower-ranked guy right now. It's not that much further lower than Jay Garcia, but he's not afraid of it. You know, he's willing to go and compete whichever school uh, that he ends up committing to. He's down to a Final Four as of now. Jay Garcia said all the right things. He's been the leader of this recruiting class. So, you know, as far as what he said so far, then, yes, he, he's willing to, to go and compete. Now, how long would both of those guys stay on the roster? That's a completely different question. You know, if you get you come and you sit behind Keaton Slovis for a year or two and you get beat out or you feel like you're, you're second on the depth chart and there's a big gap between second and third, then maybe you are exploring your options sooner rather than later. But uh, that's a different question, I think. Yeah. Stay tuned. Uh, tomorrow, m Monday evening. Now, I don't like to promote this because it has to do with a prospect, but Miller Moss is supposed to be on this show when I do these like one-on-one -on -one live interviews. So uh, check back for that. So we should have Miller Moss scheduled for 5 p.m. on Monday. We'll see. I haven't talked. That's the first time I mentioned it. Um, <laughs> so if you're around and you like recruiting, we can talk to him about recruiting and what's it like now with the coronavirus stuff and all that. So uh, check that out tomorrow. We have a couple more questions, Bossman, if that's okay. Yeah, let's couple more and let's, we'll, we'll wrap it up and let people go, people go watch the MJ doc. Coley says, does J.K. Daniels have an actual date that he has to make a decision or can he, quote, unquote, swim in this transfer pool indefinitely? You can basically go as long as the school allows you to. So, you know, there, there's no – you can be in the transfer pool for your entire career is the, the way I understand it if you really want to be. Um <laughs> The only thing is that, you know, school, there's a cutoff. The schools usually say, hey, once you go past the semester, usually, you know, you need to make a decision one way or another so we know what to do with your scholarship and whether or not we can allot it to someone else. That's kind of what it really comes down to in that regard. Oh, I got a good one real quick. I'm going to throw up what? here. You guys, just one word answer. Who you all rather have, Garcia or Moss? Uh... Moss is my guy, so I, I can't go, I mean – the first time I'm the guy that I, when I saw Miller Moss, I was like, I don't know who this kid is, but I love the way the ball comes out of yeah. his hand at one of the USC camps. Yeah. So he's been my guy and he, he's a great interview. He's a great kid. Um, you know, I, I think Jake Garcia has the better physical tools, maybe with the, you know, the stature and the speed and things. I think Miller Moss is probably the better quarterback. You know, I think it'd be great if you get both those guys on campus and let them compete. I think it'd be a great competition there that, you know, it's kind of equal as far as, you know, where, you know, the different skill sets and how they kind of balance each other out. Yeah, Shotgun's been the Miller Moss OG for a while. He He's a <laughs> hipster on that front. I've yeah. seen more Jake Garcia, so I'm going to go with Jake Garcia. Yeah, I like them both, too. I think it would be great, the different skill sets. But the last, the Elite 11 Regional, I think Moss played better than I saw him there. But I don't know. We'll see. But I, I'm going to interview Moss tomorrow. I don't really want to pick one since I'm going to interview one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, wait, that's awkward. <laughs> it's like you know, Kirk Herbstreit doesn't want to talk about, you know, make a prediction on the game that he's uh, about to cover. Yeah, so. Not good. that I'm you comparing can, you, myself to Kirk Herbstreit, but whatever, you know. You can ask uh, Miller Moss that on the, on the show tomorrow. Oh, Same boy. question. Who would you rather have? Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. A um, couple more questions, yeah? Yeah, let's uh, do it, and then we'll... Adrian says, if this one-time transfer rule is approved, is it possible that Justin Flo could have a change of heart and come back home uh, with the current status of USC? Mm. So, logistically, yes, that is possible. As anything that we've heard or been said make us believe that it would happen, I have not heard anything that would make me believe that. You know, he's already enrolled and taking you know, his online classes at Oregon for the spring semester, so it's not like he's waiting around and he's going to, you know, change his mind or anything like that. Uh, but logistically, yes, it is possible. In the same vein, Sheldon on YouTube says, uh, 
Is there a chance that SC could still flip Bryce Young from Alabama? Again, same thing. If there was a one-time transfer, then yes, he could. You know, he could change his mind. Why would he do that when you know the thinking is that he's going to be in the competition to be a you know to be the starter this year? I mean, Tua's gone. You know, the the rest of the quarterbacks on the roster have I think one or two starts combined, and you know, like fifty or eighty career pass attempts. Mm-hmm. And, and then he's one, really, really good. Yeah. Really, really good. Uh, one last minute question. When will Ryan get an interview with Brandon Sosna and why hasn't he been made available for public comments over the last four months? Hmm. Well, my little one-on-one interviews we've been doing. So we had Matt Leinert, Jake Olson, Alex Michelson. We're going to have Miller Moss and uh, look for Brandon. He'll be coming up uh, with, I'll guarantee within the next two weeks, we'll have Brandon on. So he'll be on too. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. Without, that wasn't even a plug. I didn't even ask for that question. So thanks for uh, putting that in there. <laughs> There yeah, you so go. Think about your questions. He loves to get interact with all the fans and everything. So we'll try to do our best to interact with him uh, for that. There you go. You're such a booker these days, Ryan. You're getting all the talent everywhere. I mean, well, we can't cover any sports. So we have to like kind of book these things and do this stuff. But hopefully you guys enjoy these shows. I mean, I want everyone to stay safe out there. We really would love college football and all the sports and stuff to be back. In the meantime, we're going to do our best to try to keep you entertained and talking about the sports as relevant as they can be without things going on. At least there's recruiting going on so we can actually cover, you know, news and stuff with that. And we want to talk to interesting people. Um, you know, we can be interesting. Hopefully you think we're interesting, but we want to bring some other people in that are more interesting. <laughs> Watch some old games. Like that was really fun with Sean yeah, Cody. That I had a blast with that. So hopefully you guys did too. And I think Sean did too. When just to see us watching him get that big sack in the game, yeah. he's like, all right, I'm out. See you guys. You know, <laughs> You know, he, he was a stud. He was an All-American, you know, but it's fun for him to go back and, and watch those things. And uh, it was fun for us, too. I think the fans really enjoyed it, the, the listeners, the, the viewers and everything. So we do our best. Uh, all right. Well, we want to get you guys off to the MJ documentary. Um, <laughs> the tweets are already rolling in. I can see them. Yeah. Are they? Uh, Shotgun's way over there. Then Keeley's right there. And uh, I'm right here. Thank you guys uh, for tuning in to Tunnel Vision. We kept it short. We kept it an hour because we wanted to. So I think for the next five weeks, we will do the five o'clock or you can move it up. Some people I saw in the comments were like, hey, you guys are early. We're early because of the MJ doc. So we didn't want to like compete with that for your live view. So uh, thanks everyone for tuning in and uh, we will talk to you next time.